This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode number 75, Discipleship. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, powers at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Jesus is coming. Well, welcome. You're listening to That's in the Bible. Glad you could join us today. And we've got a full house. We are joined by Pastor Strobel, Pastor Steve, and Matt, who's a missionary up in Arctic, Alaska. Guys, welcome and glad to have you all here today. And as I I know, I sent you guys an email earlier just to let you know that this, we're coming up uh, on an anniversary, a 10-year anniversary, because we started this, hard to believe, way back in 2009 in January. And so here we are, 2019. Unbelievable 10 years. Now, I hate to admit it, but a few of those years uh, went by without any podcasts. And that's my fault. I kind of wandered off the path for a while, but the Lord's merciful and allowed me to come back. And and uh, here we are. Amen. Amen. So we're still going. And um, I just want to check in real quick with everyone before we get to our study today. Matt, how are things in Alaska? Doing well, doing well. I was just thinking, too, you know, 10 years ago, my father-in-law was about, uh, what, 75? Somewhere <laughs> <in> there. <laughs> He was, a young, he was a young guy here. back then. <laughs> he sounds good for his age. Well, I had to get he? you back because uh, I, I heard your you couldn't you couldn't keep it uh, contained the last episode that I was gone. So I had to get you back a little bit. So that's but, fine. Amen, it's doing good, doing good. We have we actually had um, the ministry is doing well out here, and about every year we see uh, different polar bears come in the village. But just uh, yesterday, uh, as I was picking up people for church i got a text message to watch out for polar bears roaming the village so they actually there's there was word that there was either two to four polar bears that came into the village and they they did shoot and kill two of them and uh so it's all it's never a dull moment here in the village but uh we uh we had good church services we have four different services uh every sunday and of course wednesday and friday and saturday and different times like that but but it was a good service. We had a bunch of good services yesterday. And, uh, you know, you think it would get kids worried or whatever. They're just playing outside like it's nothing, <laughs> you know, and I'm picking up kids for Sunday school. And they're like, did you hear that there's polar bears all over the place? <laughs> and they're just outside, just, you know, on their sleds and stuff. And <laughs> they don't care. So I guess you have to pay. But, so that was because you have to pay close attention when you open that van door and see what comes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it might be a cub. It might be a polar bear. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna ride. But but hey man, everything's been been real good. How's the wind? Oh, the wind actually right now is not bad at all. It's uh I think it's nine miles an hour right now. Well, that's nothing. Um, last few No, last few days it's been um with the wind chill, it's it's been around uh negative sixteen. So that's a lot better than what it was with the wind chill. The last few weeks has been around negative 30, negative 35. So right now it's like summertime for us. Hmm. So no no kids snow? Are wearing, uh, well, we, 
We got snow on the ground. Yeah, we got snow on the ground. Hmm. How's the van running? Uh, it's all right. It's starting to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it, uh, it's doing all right. Uh, I do want to put a, a spot in real quick, too. We need, uh, we definitely need laborers for the Arctic out here more than ever. Uh, we just got word that uh, one of our missionaries uh, in Wainwright, which is another Eskimo village here, they're going to be leaving the field. And also uh, Point Lay, that missionary is going to be leaving the field um, in the summertime. So we're going to have two more villages again uh, without a preacher. And mm. so if anybody's listening, just if you could pray and uh, that the Lord would send some laborers out here. Now, see, if Pastor Steve wasn't that old, as you indicated, he might have been able to make it up there. But it's too old, I think, now. Yeah, I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Steve, how are you in uh, beautiful uh, Buffalo? Doing very well. Uh, had some good services yesterday and uh, uh, just uh, had good freedom to, to be able to preach and, and uh, enjoyed the, the time there, enjoyed the family. Had good time you know, over the over the Christmas uh, holiday there with uh, family and so forth. And uh, I guess the the older I get, I'll play into Matthew's thing here. The older I get, the more I enjoy uh, my family. And and uh, sorry we missed uh, Matt and Jen being up where they were, or they are. Uh, but uh, uh, still, we had a good time with family. It can get quite noisy with with the grandkids and stuff going on. And of course, then the uncles getting involved as well, trying to add to the chaos, but, uh, it's, uh, it's good. And I, I really enjoy it. Sometimes just sit back and, and just look and, and ponder, you know, <laughs> I don't deserve this. And, and, uh, I just, uh, consider it a real blessing. So praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. And pastor Strobel, how are you today? Doing well. Thank you. Uh, at the time of this taping, it's a we're just about a week into the new year, which is 2019. And so a week ago tonight, it was uh, New Year's Eve. And at our church, we have uh, for several years done a New Year's Eve uh, service fellowship get together called a watch night service as um, a number of churches do when they have that uh, New Year's Eve service. And what we uh, did last week was typical you know, of a general format of how we've been doing things with, with a few different particulars, but uh, we have, uh, Congregational singing and uh, did have some special music and had one of our men who preached uh, about um, uh, looking ahead, not looking back. And uh, also did some some games and some giveaways. We give away gift cards for uh, the winners of certain games and then um, just have some extras for just uh, drawing for folks that maybe aren't as competitive just to, uh, to give away. Then some food and some fellowship. So this year we had two contests, and what I did was um, I let them know ahead of time. Uh, and we've done different things in the past. But this year, the two particular contests, number one was a, a scripture photo contest. So I encouraged them to take a picture or get a picture and uh, put a scripture with it. And they could you know, do the editing on their own if they wanted. Uh, or if they weren't real savvy at that, I told them to send me this, the picture with the scripture and I will uh, put it on their forum. So a lot of uh, photos, you know, you look at and they can inspire uh, thoughts of a particular verse. Or you might get a verse and inspire thoughts of a particular picture. So anyway, it got them thinking about that. We had a good time with that and uh, gave prizes for first, second, and third place. Uh, 
And the other contest was a clean joke contest, which I repeatedly remind them was the only kind that Christians should be telling or listening to. <laughs> now, do you have some of those for us today? The, the which ones? The, any of Here, those? I'll show you the picture. <laughs> oh, I was going to say you got some dirty jokes in there. <laughs> no, no, no. No, we we're talking about pictures. Um, yeah, I I can pull pull them out. Like some of them, listen. Uh, I think I can pull them out. Some of them were they were pure pure corn growers. <laughs> it's, our, it's our favorite and here. I, <laughs> I had to stop and explain um, during one of them that I, I didn't write them. I'm just reading them. And actually, uh, as I look at it, I don't have any of them here with. Well, you know what I could do? I have the master list at uh, at church, but I can pull up. I can pull up the winner for you here. It was right. text on my phone. So long as I didn't delete it, we could be able to do that. And. Coming up, slow but sure. I can never remember jokes. It's always. So we could tell you a good one now and then tell it to you again. You could. <laughs> In two weeks, I would hey, that's pretty funny. I've never heard that before. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm getting there. All right. So the, so the way we, we did is after I, I, I had him submit these things anonymously and then I read them for the people. So that, you know, people could then just vote on who, which one they wanted. And this was the winner after the votes. <clears throat> um, so it goes like this. Johnny, a very bright five-year-old, told his daddy he'd like to have a baby brother. And along with his request, offered to do whatever he could to help. His dad, a very bright 35-year-old, paused for a moment and then replied, I'll tell you what, Johnny, if you pray every day for two months for a baby brother, I guarantee that God will give you one. Johnny responded eagerly to his dad's challenge and went to his bedroom early that night to start praying for a baby brother. He prayed every night for a whole month. But after that time, he began to get skeptical. He checked around the neighborhood and found out that what he thought was going to happen had never occurred in the history of the neighborhood. You just don't pray for two months and then whammo, a new baby brother. That's what he was told. So Johnny quit praying. After another month, Johnny's mother went to the hospital. When she came back home, Johnny's parents called him into the bedroom. He cautiously walked into the room, not expecting to find anything. And there was a little bundle lying right next to his mother. His dad pulled back the blanket, and there was not one baby brother, but two. His mother had twins. Johnny's dad looked down at him and said, Now, aren't you glad you prayed? Johnny hesitated a little, then looked up at his dad and said, Yes, but aren't you glad I quit when I did? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's pretty good. <laughs> so that was the winner. I'll tell you when our, our pastor here uh, told us in church, and it goes like this. Um, you know, sometimes uh, Sunday morning rolls around. It's hard to get up out of bed. I know that doesn't happen to you guys, but once in a while it happens to, to others. And uh, the fellow was laying in bed, and his wife came and said, come on, we're going to be late for church. Get up. He goes, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Ten minutes later, she comes back in and she says, "You're still lying here. You got to get up, and go to church." He goes, "I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. Tell me why. Give me one. Give me one good reason why I should why I should get up and go to church." And she said, "Come on, honey. You're the pastor." <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I saw that coming. <laughs> All right, Steve, well, your turn. 
I don't have any. No, hey, let me I'm, get, not I, jo- I, I'm not a joke teller. I give you one more then. All right. Uh, this, this kind of honorable mention. I, I think I would have voted for this one for the for the best. But anyway, it's um, uh, children are lined up in the cafeteria of a Christian school for lunch. At the head of the table was a large pile of apples. Someone had written a note and placed it next to the apples. It read, take only one. God is watching. Moving through the line to the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. One little boy wrote his own note and snuck it next to the cookies. It said, take all you want. God is watching the apples. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good, too. Amen. All right, so folks, uh, this is a reason right here. Stay tuned to the end of the lesson as we close out. Pastor Strobe is going to give us another one. Okay. <laughs> Not that we need any incentive to to listen all the way through. <laughs> all right, Steve, are you ready to bring us the lesson today? Uh, our study on discipleship. Yes. Discipleship. All right. There Fortunately, that ship has not sailed. So. <laughs> but it's coming your way now well guys thanks appreciate the opportunity uh if you have a bible i'd like for you to turn to second timothy chapter two second timothy chapter two and while you're turning there let me uh, just take a moment here and uh, uh and pray Father, we uh, thank you for, uh, Lord, the 10 years that we are, in essence, celebrating, uh, Lord, the starting of this uh, podcast, and, and Lord, the 75 shows as of today that will be uh, be aired. And, uh, Lord, we're thankful for your goodness and your grace and your kindness to us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity and, uh, Lord, the time to be able to do it. Thank you for the folks that have listened over the years and, uh given us feedback and, and, uh, Lord have claimed and, and, uh, expressed the fact that they've been blessed and, and, uh, encouraged by, uh, some of the podcasts that we've, uh, put on the, on the air. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the, the podcast tonight. Father, pray that you'd give me grace and wisdom to be able to preach and, uh, teach this, uh, study and, uh, pray God that Jesus Christ might receive the honor and the glory and it might challenge uh, some people, uh, Lord, that hear this uh, this podcast today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, discipleship uh, is a subject that uh, I guess you could say is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I think if uh, any of you had listened to the last podcast that was, uh, that was aired, I think it's Podcast 74, uh, there was some mention of uh, discipleship in that. And when uh, what I was thinking about what to do for this particular podcast as my my turn, I thought maybe I'd embellish upon that and uh, and talk about discipleship. Second uh, Timothy chapter two, probably one of the most famous uh, or uh, most read verses on uh, the subject of discipleship is found in verses one and two. It says, "Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus." And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Uh, Timothy was a convert of the apostle Paul. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, 
grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The indication of that verse is that Paul led Timothy to the Lord. And not only that, but Timothy decided to follow with Paul and accompany him on several of his missionary journeys. Throughout those years, as they traveled together, Timothy had been, if you will, discipled by the Apostle Paul. In fact, it mentions there in verse 2, it says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. So the Apostle Paul is not just directing everything he's saying to Timothy, but others are listening in on what Paul has to say. But in this regard, when he's writing this letter to Timothy, he's, he's pointing out that Timothy had heard these things. And the things that he heard from Paul throughout those years of going on those missionary journeys, Paul is is now giving him uh, a charge, if you will. Paul has invested time in him, and now that he's sent him away, uh, as he was his practice, whether it was Titus or Timothy or some of the others, where he sent them to minister to a ministry and and help them or catch them up or to teach them and so forth. Uh, Now he's making this charge to Timothy that he uh, find some other people to teach them so that they can take what Timothy teaches and uh, teach it to other people as well. Uh, Lord, again, take a look at that verse in verse 2. It says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. In essence, if you were really to boil it down and, 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 and say it in the, in the language that we might use today, Paul's telling Timothy to reproduce himself in others. Uh, you know, to pass it on, to keep it going. Uh, There's a great need for discipleship today. I think, you know, pretty much in any, uh, at least the decades, the four decades that that I've been saved and so forth, there always seems to be a need for discipleship, for someone to disciple a young Christian who wants to know what it is to live the Christian life. And again, again, there's also a need of those converts that are being one to the Lord for them to have an interest in being discipled. I guess you could say it goes both ways. But there's a great need. Getting saved in the 70s, as I did in the independent fundamental Baptist movement, a lot of emphasis was placed on soul winning. And uh, there wasn't hardly anything mentioned at all about discipleship. It was all about soul winning. It was all about the bus routes and and getting out and and hitting the streets and talking to people and passing out tracts, which is all fine and good. Uh, I'm really not arguing with that point. But but when it came to the preaching and the teaching, Sunday after Sunday, the the preachers in these independent uh, fundamental Baptist churches were preaching on salvation. And if they weren't preaching on salvation, they were preaching on tithing. And if they weren't preaching on tithing, they were preaching about long hair on guys and short skirts on girls. Very little, as I remember it, very little on doctrine. 
very little on practical and uh, practical Christianity is how to live the Christian life. Not, not just the standards that were given, but how to live the Christian life. As I mentioned there, they were, they were taught uh, a list of rules, or as I mentioned here just a moment ago, standards, the do's and don'ts of, I guess you could say, the, the Baptist denomination, at least the independent Baptist. Consequently, you ended up with a bunch of babes in Christ that were filling these churches that didn't really know much about their Bible. Some of them had some interest, but most of them were just going along with the program and and uh, just uh, enjoying, I guess you could say, hearing sermons on salvation. Uh Many of these churches, and and I don't mean to be harsh here, but it was my experience that many of these churches were held together by intimidation and peer pressure. Uh, They weren't held together by the Word of God, although they would claim that that was their, their intent or that's what they were doing, but really they weren't because, like I said, sermon after sermon was on salvation. You can't really grow a convert when... All you're doing is preaching about salvation. There were many of these works, you know, as time went on, that are are just gone now. Some of them are, are mere shadows of, of their former days. I mean, there, there were churches that are like these mega churches today, where that's what they were like, uh, the Baptist churches were like that in the in the 60s and the 70s and even the early 80s. But now the the congregations have dwindled. There might be a few of them out there that are still holding on, but for the most part, <clears throat> those uh, those fundamental Baptist churches, those huge ones, are, are not, not there anymore. Uh, they're a shadow, like I said. Uh, when, when a babe in Christ is challenged for why he is doing or believing what he does, uh, it uh, it's because mostly when you boil it down, it's because that's what he was told. It's not really what he was was uh, instructed from the Word of God, although that may be the premise. But there was no depth of study. There was no discipleship given him for him to have a firm foundation of his Christian life. And unless he was self-initiated to be able to get some things, there were very few of these babes that really grew. And when they were uh, challenged for what they believed, uh, they kind of wilted, and uh, they kind of just kind of disappeared. And and really, just being told certain things. I mean, you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, but. For them to show that or prove that, they wouldn't know where to go. They wouldn't know what where to start. And so all of that uh, teaching that they were giving was basically just kind of, I wouldn't say wasted, but it, but it didn't have a great effect on the Christians of that day. That many of those people, you know, that were that grew up in that time frame. I've gone back to some of those churches, and many of them are not going to the services they used to go to. Uh, many of them are, are not even going to church at all anymore. 
Um, if you, if, if what you do or believe is based on the Bible or the, you know, so forth, the chances are when you're challenged by what you believe, uh, you're going to stand because there's a foundation there. There's something there that you've been grounded and settled with that helps you understand why you believe what you believe. There's a, a, uh, a list of verses that you have and you've been taught to use to be able to, to uh, defend why you believe what you believe. Now, for me, being saved in that atmosphere, uh, I guess you could say I was blessed in that I had a desire to know the truth. Uh, even though at the time I didn't even know what the truth was. I mean, I knew it was in the Bible, but I, I didn't read well. Uh, I was basically functionally illiterate. Uh, for me to read a chapter of, of scripture would, would take me quite a long time and I wouldn't really have a whole lot of comprehension, but internally there was this desire to know the truth. And, uh, I knew it was in the Bible, but uh, I had no idea of how to get that, how to get it out, how to find it. Um, so for three months, the group of guys that I was with on the ship, uh, we were praying that God would give us the truth. And all that while for those three months, we were getting our spiritual nourishment from our daily bread, those little devotional books that give you a, a little verse of scripture and give you a little story or illustration and then a little bit of application and, and uh, so forth. And uh, that's what we were existing on. Uh, we'd go to church and we'd hear messages on salvation. And uh, when I was in the Sunday school <clears throat> that, at that particular church, uh, they had a lot of guys from the mission that were coming into that particular Sunday school class. It was a big church. And, uh, again, they were giving salvation messages there in Sunday school. So I heard salvation a lot. And, uh, so our, our sustenance was really coming from those, uh, our daily bread it, at the end of that three months, <clears throat> unbeknownst to me, God was moving the United States Navy to take my ship and move it for a month and a half around on the other side of Florida. We were stationed in Jacksonville, and uh, God moved us over to Pensacola. And God moved the United States Navy for me to meet uh, two men. The first one was Peter S. Ruckman, and the other one was Ron Burris. Uh, Dr. Ruckman really, at that point, to a lesser degree, uh, later on, he became a more central figure in, in the things that I learned and so forth. And, and the example that, that he showed, which uh, in, in turn had a, had a, a, a great impact on, my, on, on me being discipled. But uh, Ron was in the Navy himself, lived on base, and uh, he heard that there were a group of Christians that were on the ship that I was on, the USS Grand Canyon. And he met that group, uh, the group of guys there on the pier, uh, took them to church. I had duty the first day and uh, <laughs> took them to church, brought them back to his house, began to, to show them some things out of the Bible, and they were just totally enamored and excited and it was such a joy in their faces and so forth. And 
they said they were going to have a Bible study the next day. That was Monday, and and uh, they invited me to come, and I went, and I was a bit skeptical at first, but uh, the more he started to teach, the the more my heart and spirit uh, were receiving what he had to say, and uh, it began to minister to me. And he started doing Bible studies almost every day for a month and a half. And uh, I'm, some of you might have heard the testimony before, but in that month and, a, month and a half time, there were over 30 guys that got saved. There was an excitement. There was a joy. There was a, there was a contentment of what we were see, receiving. And God you know, really had answered the prayer that we had been praying for three months previous to that and that we wanted the truth. We got straightened out on the King James Bible. Uh, we started seeing things from the Word of God. We started uh, 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 experiencing some things and some some victories in our Christian life, and uh, it really had a tremendous impact. About, um, I think it was about six months later, maybe four, five, six months later, I can't remember the exact time, I, uh, I was discharged from the service right in time to start Bible school there in Pensacola. Uh, in, those, in that month and a half time that we were there, the first time, God uh, kind of worked on me and, and impressed me to go to the Bible school there, not really knowing anything other than that's what he wanted me to do. And so I ended up showing up at uh, uh, Brother Burris's house with his family, and uh not really knowing where I was going to stay or what I was going to do. There there were only really people that I knew there. And then uh, they invited me to to, uh, live with their family for a period of time. In that time, we were both going to Bible school. And uh, uh, I just had question after question after question. We'd hear Dr. Ruckman and, at that time, Brother McGahee uh, teaching. And uh, it was all new to me. I mean, if you could think of what it would be like to sit in uh, Revelation and Daniel your very first year, not even been saved a year, and just things flying over your head. You, you didn't even know where you were. And uh, Ron kind of gave a balance to some of that and kind of helped explain things. He, he just answered questions, and, and uh, I, I picked his brain about different things and, and uh, got a chance to be personally discipled. By him, he demonstrated before my eyes what it what it meant to be a Christian twenty four seven. I observed he and his wife under numerous uh, cir- uh, conditions and circumstances. Uh, saw them as Christians through uh, through it all in in a genuine way. There wasn't this plastic that wasn't this fake phony put on you know put on a face for sunday morning you know and then go back to normal the rest of the time and he actually kind of lived out the verse that that uh, is there in proverbs chapter 23 and verse six, uh, 26 it says my son give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways and Really, for three years, I watched him. I watched he and his wife, and I watched them go through some hard times. I, I watched them go through some trials. Uh, I watched them go through some things that, that showed me how a Christian should respond and react 
to the various things that they went through. Uh, you might say, well, you know, were they perfect? And no, they weren't perfect. But even in their failures, they showed me how a Christian should handle them, that uh, there needs to be a humbling, there needs to be a, a, a repentance, there needs to be a confession, and, and, and all of that with humility coming before God. And they demonstrated and showed that to me uh, in a personal way. My wife and I got married about a year and a half into our Bible school, and obviously we lived elsewhere, but uh, my wife and I would would frequent their house many, many times. And uh, with the number of sailors that were coming in from Jacksonville and other places that uh, were coming in to kind of... uh, recapture what you know happened that month and a half that we were there and and being able to teach and and had our own church services on Saturday nights and and that was really the first time I ever started a song lead was in somebody's uh, Ron's living room uh, with our own little church service on on Saturday nights got an opportunity to to teach my my first lesson there and oh talking about nervous but it gave me an opportunity. And, and afterwards he said, you know, he kind of showed me some of the things I did wrong and some of the things I did right and, and was an encouragement. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things, and this may seem strange to some of you that, that don't have a problem reading or are not uh, afraid of getting up in front of people, but uh, two of the fears, great fears that I had early on, number one was reading out loud. I had a hard enough time trying to read uh, to myself, but to read out loud was just like death. And then to pray out loud in front of people. And uh, one of Ron's practices for us, and, and I've held this in my own practice for, for my own uh, discipleship and Bible studies and things, is that if someone feels uncomfortable and they don't want to read, you know, when we take turns and read around, that they don't have to read. They can just say pass. And the same thing for prayer. If we were taking time and going around and each person praying it around or, or whatever, and they didn't feel like they wanted to pray, they'd just pass and so forth. And that that gave a, a, a relief, I guess, that there wasn't this mandatory pressure. And I, I don't ever remember not reading when it was my turn, but I had the option. And that did a lot for me. And uh, just that ability to be able to turn it down if I needed to was was liberating for me. Just little things along that line that you wouldn't think would be a, a form of discipleship. It's it's all a form of discipleship. It's a it's a personal contact with someone who is kind of showing you the ropes and giving you an idea of what real Christianity is all about. Lord knows we see enough of the false Christianity on the airwaves and and on the television and cable uh, outlets and all this kind of stuff. And it's just a poor example of what real Christianity is all about. Somewhere in that three years that we were together and that I was being discipled by Ron, the verse that we read at the beginning in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2 Let me read it to you again. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same to commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He brought that verse up and he expounded that verse. And he was giving me the charge that Paul gave to Timothy. I'd been sitting underneath his teaching and and uh, discipleship and, and so forth, and had grown to a certain degree, and never thinking I was able would, would ever be able to do what he was doing. Uh, there were doubts in my mind, uh, you know, all along that I, I would say to myself, I'd say, I'd tell my wife, I said, I don't think I could ever do what Ron does. He just was so natural and so easy going. It just came so easy for him, and he could fill two, three hours with just going off of questions that, that people would ask. And, and I thought to myself, I said, man, I could never do that. And, uh, but he challenged me. There were, there were a group of about, I think about seven guys. We took a walk out of the golf course there on the, on the, uh, uh, base, uh, it was kind of in the fall winter time there in Florida. Nobody was out there and we just took a long walk and, and he started going through the uh, mathematical thing of exponential uh, counting and so forth, how two become four and four become eight and so forth and so on, up until the numbers just get astronomical. And he, and he said, you know, if you seven, talking to us guys, he said, if you seven could reach and disciple seven people, imagine how this world would be impacted over time. And that you... Uh, would would challenge those seven that you minister to to go out and reach their seven, and he talked about that exponential uh, uh, factor there, and and it really hit me. It just really really struck me that uh, that's something that if if God would ever be able to loose my tongue and and allow me to be able to do something like that, that's what I'd like to do, and so you know, still going on and, and, uh, learning from Dr. Ruckman and, and again, all the while personally touched by, by, uh, brother Ron, but indirectly touched by, by Dr. Ruckman. I didn't hang around Dr. Ruckman in a, in, in, uh, personal contact kind of way, you know, intimate, you know, fellowship type of thing. Most of my contact with him was in the classroom, but I watched him. I watched him how he conducted himself. I watched him and listened to him pray, and I listened to the heart that was uh, preceded the prayer, uh, and and it struck me. I I watched his own personal righteousness and some of the things that he would not allow himself to to get involved with, uh, some of the own personal righteousness because it was a personal conviction to him, and he didn't push a lot of that on us. But uh, he, uh, he let it out in subtle ways, and uh, a lot of it in his teaching. And I tell you what, the, the first uh, year and a half to almost two years, it was more of the bookish stuff of, of trying to get down everything he was saying. But that last year, I, I was listening and hanging on to almost every word that he was saying and trying to get the, the, the heart impact of it all. And that did a lot for me. I remember, and, and some of you probably are going to think this is really strange, but one of my favorite classes of all three years was, was Baptist Missions. 
Now, God didn't call me to be a missionary, but Dr. Ruckman getting up there and telling us about the missionaries of the uh, Philadelphia Church Age and reading the stories and hearing the trials that they went through that in today's, and I'm not, I'm going to speak generally, I know there's exceptions, but in today's missionaries would stop them and prevent them from going was only the, the, the missionaries of, of that day of Philadelphia church age, they took it on as a challenge. They, they thought it was the devil trying to stop them instead of God trying to stop them. And they went on. Sometimes they'd lose their wives. Sometimes they'd lose their children. Sometimes they'd lose all of their possessions. And you'd think that they would, would stop and come back home and God's not in this thing, but they would go on. Some would be let off, left off at, at the, uh, the, not the place that they were intending on going to be a missionary. And they, they would stay there. And, and some of them were imprisoned. And think of Adoniram Judson and some of the others. There were some missionaries that, that, had no impact on the natives at all. They died shortly after they arrived at the mission field. But their death went back to England and and, uh, so forth in Europe, and it challenged other missionaries to go. And and by the time some of those missionaries responded to that very very, uh, tribe of people that had killed that missionary, went down there and led every one of them to the Lord. Those kind of things were were just what was going into my spirit and into my soul and uh, set the tone for my Christian life for all of these years. And so when trials come, I'm not looking for a way out. I'm looking to see where God's moving and what God's trying to do. And there's heartache and there's sorrow and there's disappointment, but nonetheless, it's not a license to quit. Uh, it's a license to find out, am I doing something wrong? Or uh, has God got something else in mind? Or or God sending me a trial to see if I'll stick it out and, and hang in there and keep going? You know, there's a lot of things that were, were taught there that had a huge impact on me and on my wife. That challenge came through, and, and it was something that that, uh, like I said, uh, spoke to me. So that when God moved me and my small little family at the time to Western New York, uh, the Lord brought a a young man along by the name of Tim. And after a short conversation at the the back end of the church, uh, found out that he wanted to learn the Bible. And I said, okay, come on over to my house uh, Friday night. And uh, about such and such a time, and Tim shows up, and uh, I said, uh, what do you want to know? And he started asking questions, and all of a sudden, what I thought I could never do, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of my mouth is, is things that I'd heard Ron say years and years ago. And it was a kind of a crazy thing. I, when I say this, I know some people are going to think it's weird, but while I am talking and, and showing Bible verses to the answer to the questions that Tim is asking, it's almost like I'm looking at myself from the back, like I'm, like I'm astro projected and, and I'm looking at myself. I said, I can't believe you're doing this all the while I'm talking in real life. I, the back of my mind, I'm going, I can't believe you're doing it. Where's all this stuff coming from? 
But for three years, I had been storing up all of these things that I'd been taught. And all of a sudden, now it had an avenue to come out. And God uh, allowed me the privilege of being able to do that. Allowed me to do that with Tim and with many others over the years. And there, for a period of time, there seemed to be a lull. And uh, God wasn't giving me anybody to, to, uh, to disciple. And all of a sudden, it, it kind of dawned on me that I had the responsibility of discipling my own family. And so, not in a formal sense, but an informal sense. And some of you may have heard this story, but, uh, but it didn't matter where we were, whether we were in the car or at the dinner table or someplace else or in Friendly's ice cream. Uh, one of my children would say, Dad, I got a question. And off we would go. And uh, that led to other questions, and that led to other answers. And, and uh, we talked about all kinds of things, whether it was Bible or whether it was practical Christian living, uh, whether it was experiences that, that we'd been through, uh, giving them a history of, of why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe, and was able to disciple my own children. One of the joys and blessings that I received today, and it's the 7th of January of uh, 2019, one of the fellows that I had part in discipling happened to give me a call this afternoon and uh, reminiscing on on some of the things. He's out of state now. I don't get a chance to see him very often. Uh, Old-time podcasters will know him as Peter. Uh, that uh, visited with us one time on one of the podcasts back uh, a number of years ago. But Peter gave me a call, and, and uh, we had a chance to, to connect again and, and just enjoy each other's friendship. And it's almost as if we'd never left off talking, just like we you know, talked yesterday and, and uh, talked about some of the things of the past and, and uh, what he's doing now and how he's grown and, and the fact that he's actually doing some of the discipling himself, which is a real joy to my heart. Now, I want to, I want to take a little bit of time here and I want to, I know this is a little bit different kind of a, a teaching than what you're normally used to on the podcast here, but I want you to understand that there was someone no one actually, let me put this way. There was no better discipler <laughs> than Jesus Christ. And really, when I tried to teach about discipleship, I, wanted, I always try to use Jesus Christ as the example because he was the best one at it. You realize that he came, first of all, to go to the cross and pay for sin. But he came, second of all, to take 12 men, and actually more than that, as you, if you were to read your Bible, but 12 men principally to teach them and to disciple them, that when he would leave this earth, he would leave someone that would be able to take and teach other men also. And in the Gospels, we can see how he interacted with his disciples. I want you to see that he tempered their zeal. And just as a, as I'm not going to tell the whole story because I don't want to take up too much time here, but he tempered their zeal. Let me give you just a, a, a brief um, 
example of that. Remember the the sons of thunder that wanted to call down fire on somebody that wasn't following them. And Jesus Christ, how he handled those two fellows, showed that he could temper their zeal. He challenged their faith. You remember when the the feeding of the 5,000 took place and he says, give them to eat. And, and of course, they fumbling around. <laughs> they did, you know, we, we don't have 200 penny worth. You know, bread's not going to be sufficient enough to, to feed all of these people. He challenged their faith. He helped them uh, with their understanding. Remember, he's t- uh, doing the parables and so forth. And, and they asked him about the parables. And a couple of the parables, he went into an explanation and, and taught them what the meaning of those parables were. He soothed their fears. He soothed their fears. Remember, they're out there, uh, and Jesus Christ is asleep on the pillow in the back end of the boat, and the boat is ready to sink, and they said, Pastor, or Pastor, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he said, Be not afraid, and he calmed the winds and so forth. He soothed their fears. He pressed their commitment. Remember when he's talking uh, there in uh, John chapter 6 and the bread of life and except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me and so forth and so on. And, and the Bible says many of the disciples walk no more with him. And he said, will ye also go away? He, uh, he pressed their commitment. They said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. He answered their questions. They asked him about the end time and so forth. And some of the different places, Acts chapter 1 and and also in Matthew chapter 24, and he gave them some instruction on that. He constructed their character. Uh, They came back, you know, from one of their their, uh, preaching tours and going through and healing people, and they were rejoicing over the fact that that the spirits had... uh, they had power over the spirits and so forth. And he said, rejoice not over this, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. He constructed their character. He corrected their foolishness. Now, he didn't come down there and land on them on all fours. But remember when they were arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest? And he just kind of took that little scenario there and he just weaved it around and he just started moving along and and, and kind of got him off of that kick a little bit. He corrected their foolishness. In three and a half years, the Lord turned them from Bible spectators or being spectators to participators, to being active in the work. And he gave them a commission, which is very similar to what the Apostle Paul said. There in Matthew chapter 28, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I don't know what you've heard about this, but I believe verse 19, where it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, that's teaching them the gospel. That's teaching them how to be saved because it precedes baptism. It precedes baptism. And we know that baptismal regeneration is not something that's taught in the scriptures, at least for New Testament Christians like we are. So that teaching there 
is showing them and instructing them how it is a person trusts Christ as their Savior. Then they're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Then verse 20, uh, now he's directing it to save people. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's discipleship. That's teaching them. That's giving them the things that they need. That's reach and teach. And, and you know what? Those 12 disciples, and obviously we know that Judas fell and Matthias took his place, but they turned the whole world upside down. But Jesus Christ took three and a half years to instruct them and teach them to be able to do what they ended up doing. And you are here as a result of those 12 disciples. Now, let me say this, and and this is going to be a little bit disjuncted here, but just hang with me, and uh, we'll finish this thing up. Some people have the idea that discipleship is just teaching Bible studies, and and certainly they have their place. We need to know uh, the Bible doctrines. We need to know uh, the milk of the Word. We need to know some of the meat of the Word as well. We need to know what, what we believe and why we believe it. I mean, the illustration I gave earlier on is, you know, we say that we believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, but could you take a Bible and show someone why you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? You see, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're pointing towards. We're, we're, we're not just giving information from a pulpit so people can mentally assent to what they are supposed to believe but we're actually taking and, and giving them some nuts and bolts so that they know why they believe and why this is true and, and why they need to get this thing down in their hearts and their souls. Discipleship is more than Bible studies, and certainly there are some, some good Bible study courses out there. For me, I made up my own as, uh, as, as Tim would ask questions, and I didn't have all the answers at that, that, that one time, and, and I'd, I'd let him know. I said, Tim, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll tell you what, I'll get the answer and we'll get it next time. Always that genuine, always that honest approach and not trying to, to cover over and, and, and uh, just kind of bluff your way through. You need to be honest and genuine with it. There's, there's Bible studies out there. I'm looking at one night right now, kind of a bread or a milk type of a Bible study. It's uh, the Bread of Life Bible Study a course uh, by uh, T.I. Warmack. That's real good. I've used some of the stuff that's in there. I know that Brother Strobel, I think he, he made up his own and has a, a, a discipleship course that, he's, uh, that he uses there in his church. Uh, there's others out there, but you ought to be careful. Certainly, a lot of the studies that we put on the podcast here, you could use uh, as a material to disciple someone. And that's kind of what we're doing here. We're trying to get the material out, not only so that you could learn, but so that you can take it and teach it to someone else. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, discipleship, uh, again, is, is more than just Bible study. It's, it's simple conversation. It's, it's talking about your weaknesses and, and how you deal with them. It's, it's talking about some of the victories that you've experienced and how you were able to get those victories, uh, what scriptures were, were instrumental in helping you get those. And they, it's not always, quote, in a Bible study form. 
you know, the Bible studies that uh, we try to give are not, uh, well, well, what is your impression or what do you think? You know, no, it's, it's more of an authoritative type of a Bible study where you go through systematically and teach and, and point to Scripture, to Scripture, to Scripture, so that there is a, 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 an understanding of what the Bible has to say about the particular subject. They see how you handle trouble. They see how you handle the trials that come in your life. They see how you handle the disappointments. They see how you handle the gossipy brethren that go around and tell stories and so forth. You need to take the time in discipleship and teach that young babe in Christ how to pray, to pray for them, to pray with them, to be there when they need your support. Babes in Christ make a lot of mistakes. Uh, they fall. They fall back into sin. They, 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 they get confused or disoriented about things. Things happen at a faster pace than what they're able to, to be able to deal with, and they fall back into sin. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, they just make big mistakes of, of going in and uh, being overly zealous about some things, and they you got to be careful of, of squelching the zeal, but you need to temper the zeal. Uh, one of the things that I learned, uh, you can't disciple someone who does not want to be discipled. And uh, uh, I would pray and I would ask God, I said, God, I, I need somebody to disciple. God, uh, bring somebody to my heart or bring somebody to me that that needs to be discipled and more cases than I can explain and, and give you uh, in this podcast that that very thing had happened. Uh, there was a fellow by the name of, of Bob that uh, I worked with and, and uh, uh, he wasn't saved and was dealing with him. Uh, the pastor of the church at that particular time had dealt with him before and he came over to the house and, and uh, both the pastor and I dealt with him about his soul. He got saved on the way home and then uh, he, uh, at work, was just asking question after question and trying to stump me. <laughs> His name was Bob, and uh, he just kept trying to stump me, and he kept getting aggravated because whatever questions he had, I seemed to have the answers by the grace of God. And so that turned out to, to be a replacement for Tim, who went down to Bible school at the time. And then Bob goes down to Bible school after a while, and, and somebody else came and took his place. And uh, the thing just kept going on and on and on. Um, you can make the invitation, but if they don't want to invest the time, you can't force them to, uh, to do what you hope and desire that they would do. Uh, you remember, remember Matthew at the seat of, seat of customs? How that Jesus Christ said, uh, you know, come and follow me. And, and Matthew got up immediately and followed him and became one of his disciples. You remember there were some other places where some people said, Lord, we would follow thee. He says, come along. But they made excuse and they found other reasons to delay or in, in some cases altogether not follow the Lord Jesus Christ at his own invitation. Now, another thing about discipleship, there's a caution 
Um, it, discipleship in, in teaching people is not a means to gather a following within the church that you're attending. Uh, it's not the platform to talk down the pastor or to get your own ministry started or to split a church. You, as a discipler, are there as an extension of the ministry if you're not a pastor, if you're someone in the church and you've got some some Bible knowledge and you'd like to help somebody uh, be uh, get discipled and so forth, which was the occasion uh, many of the years that I'm talking about, I always pointed to the pastor and I always gave him the preeminence and so forth. And if I didn't have an answer or uh, I would tell him, I said, well, look, go check with the pastor and make sure that, that what I've said here is the right thing if you have any doubts. And I would always give the pastor the the preeminence, if you will. Uh, you know, if they started thinking too much of me, I would always point them back to the pastor. And I would see discipleship was to to better the church that we were attending, not to try to draw people away for myself. Now, there's some things about discipleship, and I'll finish with this that. There are blessings and rewards that I just can't explain in the short period of time that I have here. But there is a joy of seeing someone who is a babe in Christ just come out of the woods and they don't really know what's going on. And all of a sudden that through some time and investment of my time, to that individual, all of a sudden they get, as my term, it's it's not a Bible term, but they get plugged in. They realize what Christianity is all about, and they're not a, a Sunday morning worshiper, but they're twenty four seven, and they've got it. They understand what it is, and they've 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 understood that that Bible is a, a special book, and they can have a personal relationship with the Lord and. And the best thing that they can do is invest themselves in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The joy that you get by watching someone grow and someone come to that point where they no longer need you as as a, a, a mentor to them, but they're out on their own feet and they're out there trying to find some other people to disciple themselves. There's a joy that just can't be expressed. There's a desire and there's a zeal there to keep going and keep seeing this type of thing. Another thing that that happens when you invest your time is that preaching will will come alive. You know, if you've been saved for a number of years, uh, you know, the tendency or the 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 temptation is to take the preaching for granted. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that message before. And and you get a little apathetic and complacent with it. When you're discipling somebody, all of a sudden the preaching takes on a life of its own and you start listening with a purpose because maybe they've asked a question of you and and, uh, now all of a sudden the pastor's touching on that issue and you've got something that you can go back and, and answer that question. Uh, it gives you a sense of responsibility. Now you have a soul that you're responsible for in, in, in some regard, and now you have the responsibility of teaching them the truth. And that gives you a, a, a purpose for which to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've 
kind of directed most of this to someone who would be discipling someone else. But let me let me just take just a moment here. Maybe you're young in the Lord. Maybe you've come across our podcast here and you see some of these things and and you're really getting excited about the Bible and getting excited about the Lord and serving Him, and that's tremendous. But I tell you what, there's nothing like having someone that can, uh, a personal contact that you can actually ask questions about uh, to, and, and, and you can have that interaction. I would encourage you to find someone that's living the Christian life and uh, maybe approach them. Or maybe go up to your pastor and say, look, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in getting discipled. Is there someone that you know of that you might be able to hook me up with and find someone? It, it will have an impact on your Christian life that, that can't be replaced. Discipleship is really important. And uh, as you get out there and you talk with people, the the ignorance, and I don't mean that in a bad sense, it's just the fact that people just don't know what their Bible's all about. They don't know how to show somebody about uh, doctrines that they should know and understand. There are people out there that really couldn't take a Bible and show somebody how to be saved. There are people out there that, that don't know the first thing about how to show somebody that they have eternal security. And then you could get off into some of the deeper things that we, you know, have some of the podcast here and go through some of those things that just will show them not just, you know, the fact that, that there's cool stuff in the Bible, but, but the fact that this Bible is a whole lot deeper than what you may give it credit for. And so discipleship is really important. And so I leave you with the challenge as I was challenged. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thank guys. I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you, Steve. Amen. Of course, that hits home Amen. to me because uh, you discipled me. <laughs> Yeah, I think you came along after Bob or something like that, right? I think Roger and I, right? We're Roger, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I remember going to your house and uh, spending time there and trying to stump you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, and you gave up a lot of your time. Well, yeah. I mean, it was that hard to do. Yeah, well, I, you know, it was maybe once or twice a week, and then available if if anybody needed, you know. Uh, if there was a crisis that went along and, and somebody needed to have somebody to, you know, kind of be there with them and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it, it's not as much time as some people think. I mean, I lived with that family and that's kind of abnormal for most, but, you know, uh, once a week contact, you know, and uh, outside of church, uh, is, is enough. You know, mm -hmm. you can really, you can really minister to somebody with that. And kind of stay in contact with them. Amen. Yeah, it was a, a great study. Um, it makes me want to <laughs> get somebody and uh, try and you know disciple them too. That's a blessing. Amen. Yeah, I, I know for 
I know for me personally, you know, some people might say, well, isn't that the pastor's job? Isn't that, you know, maybe a deacon's job in the church or whatever? Um, you know, that passage you showed there in Second Timothy, that shows us every single person should be able to to do that, not just the pastor, not just, you know, a deacon or somebody high up in the church. And I know for me, um, you know, kind of like you were saying uh, that, you know, this life kind of gets to the point sometimes where it gets you down. And I think you were talking about that last podcast and they like to listen to uh, Dr. Sam Gipp. And uh, sometimes life gets you down, gets you kind of complacent and you need something to kind of wake you up. And I've noticed that two things for a Christian, for me, uh, I've seen it in my life. If I kind of get to that point where it's just kind of, you know, not exciting anymore or something's wrong in that area, if I either witness to somebody, have an opportunity to share the gospel, or I have an opportunity to be able to disciple somebody and, and be able to teach them, you know, the word of God and some doctrines in the Bible, that are some of the, the two most important things I, I find to be able to get you so excited again and, and on fire for the Lord and just a zeal, you know, that maybe you might be missing. And I, I remember when I got saved shortly after I got saved in 2005. And shortly after that, I got so excited. I started, you know, studying the Word of God and going through a lot of the different um, doctrines and things and teachings we've been going over in this podcast. And I remember what, I went up to a couple different guys and I said, "We got to have a Bible study. We got to learn this stuff," you know. And uh, unfortunately, one of the things I started off with was, uh, "Do angels have wings?" <laughs> and because uh, I was just like, "Well, I kind of like what you're talking about," you know. You want to assert yourself and show people that what you know, and and that was the totally wrong. You know, I, I still had you know the right motives in some areas, but in other areas, I wanted to give them something they might not not have ever heard before, and. And that wasn't the way to go around about it. But but uh, then I started slowly transitioning to say, hey, we got to go over, you know, again, this eternal security and, you know, knowing that you're saved and, um, you know, the second coming of Christ and all this stuff. And and I remember one guy uh, that I hung out with a lot at church, he, he came up to me and he said, listen, I, I don't understand why we need to go over this stuff. You know, as long as we know how to lead someone to the Lord, that should yeah. be enough, you know, but. But and I agree that definitely you should be able to know how to lead somebody to the Lord. That's part of it. But uh, I've noticed too that some of the most excited Christians that actually are still faithful and doing the will of God right now are those that are just excited about having discipleship and and learning and never stop learning. And uh, one of the I'll close with this here. But one of the biggest things I see that people Christians themselves have a problem with or are against, you know, learning other things in the Bible, like doctrine, uh, is they say, well, doctrine is not going to help your practical living. <laughs> and uh, that's just not true. Uh, if right. you look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, of course, the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, number one, for doctrine. Yeah. And then you look at verse 17, what does that doctrine produce? that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And so doctrines needed to be able to have a practical uh, Christian living. And, you know, the major doctrines in your Bible, the second coming of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, if you learn those things, uh, you're going to be, um, you're going to be a Christian that's uh, afraid of Lord coming back because you want to have a good life. And I've got, uh, I had this written down in my Bible. Sound doctrine promotes sound living. And I, I truly believe that. You go to Titus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, 
that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. You go through the whole Titus chapter 2. Doctrine comes first, and then the, the good living for the Lord li- uh, goes after, follows after doctrine. So, Amen. great study. I mean, a discipleship, most important thing after you get saved is to get discipled and then be able to disciple others and go over the major doctrines of the Bible like that, and, and that will bring about good uh, Christian living. Amen. 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 Good stuff. You know, after I got saved, I was 18 years old when I got saved and started getting into a Bible-believing church, and my pastor effectively uh, took on the role of discipling me. And it was much like uh, what um, Brother Steve was saying. We'd spend time together doing various things. Sometimes I'd be helping out around the church or uh, whatever, and but I had questions. And I had questions the night he witnessed to me and found out that the Bible had answers. What my priest couldn't answer for me, uh, he could. Yeah. What no priest, could. and I'd asked more than one priest, by the way. But um, so that that is definitely a blessing. And to uh, Matt's point, it is it is really something that uh, all Christians have the opportunity to do, and really should take advantage of. It's a good outlet for somebody, you know, who gets he's getting filled up in church with the preaching and the teaching, and and they don't really do anything in the ministry. Right. And you know, that word gets burning in you like a fire burning in your bones and, and you got to have an outlet somewhere and, and discipling people and spending time with them, instructing them in the scriptures and helping them through just general things of life from a Christian vantage point is it's really uh, beneficial. And uh, brother Steve, I have always, you know, since I've known this part of him kind of just looked at and just uh, admired that. And it's a kind of thing that He's a kind of a person, and th- and this type of person that does this is really the kind of person that every pastor would like to have in their church. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very—he did a real thorough job of also letting you know that this discipleship thing is not your own agenda to start your own ministry, to have your own mm-hmm. following, to diss the pastor, the church, or whatever. And right. and that is so important because some people will will use it as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the the guy that he was mentioning that he discipled named Bob, I met when I was in Bible school, right. and Bob was actually the connection from a human standpoint that connected me to Lockport when Lockport was looking for a pastor, and um, that's really the connection as to how I got to First Bible Baptist Church from Steve discipling Bob. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So praise the Lord. And let me just add this from uh, the scriptures. Here's the Lord Jesus, uh, speaking of the Lord Jesus and his interaction with the disciples, it says in Mark 4, 33 and 34, and with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them, and this is a part I'm really uh, aiming for and that has spoken to my heart many times in the scriptures, it says, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And that fits in here with the uh teaching that you know that brother steve gave you tonight you getting alone with somebody and and spending time with them and expounding things to them now, i have personally applied that to my own walk with the lord just getting alone with the lord that's when the lord gives you a lot of things as well but uh in the historical context he was discipling as a brother steve said so i appreciate all of that amen and it's amazing too how you know, you discipling someone else will bless you and recharge your batteries. You know, oh, as, yes. as Steve said that, uh, you know, that if you're giving it out and being asked questions and then you're searching again and you're going back, well, let me, let me go over that again in my own mind. And 
so I can present that accurately. You know, it, it just keeps you even, you know, further in the word and, and, and keeps you excited. So it's, it's a two way street. It's not just benefiting them. It's also benefiting yourself as well. Amen. So sure. Enough. You know, the, the thing to remember is that, and I'm, I'm just reading through Ephesians right now in my daily, daily Bible reading. And one of the things that struck me again was, was, you know, not everything that we see, well, do we see, <laughs> is not, is not permanent. Like this, this life that we lead, the things that are around us, these are all gonna, these are all temporary things. You know, there's the eternal spiritual world that, that is also taking place too, that, that we need to be aware of that, you know, so people think, well, why is the Bible important? Why is learning all this important? Because there's much more to life than, than just the daily go to work, you know, eat, drink and, and carry on. And unfortunately some Christians still think that's it. You know, they might do their quote unquote obligation to go to church on Sunday, but there's so much more to the Christian life that if, um, you become aware of what it is that, you know, that, the Lord did for us and, and all the benefits and all the, all the great things we have to look forward to. It just makes this life so much better as well as giving you hope and, and things to look forward to. So you're really missing out if you haven't uh, been discipled or you're not discipling someone else. There's a, there's a whole, a whole another thing there that, that you're missing out in your life. Hey, uh, two points, uh, it, just in, in what you guys had mentioned here, uh, number one, uh, I think Eric, you were talking about it and so forth, but there's a sense of accountability that you have that keeps you living right for God because somebody else is watching you. Mm-hmm. And so that keeps you going. And number two, the, the thing that, uh, to address what Matt was saying about that gentleman that says, why do we have to learn all that stuff? You know, isn't the most important thing. soul winning. Uh, when somebody says that to me, the, the immediate picture I have in my mind is having a newborn babe, wrap them in a blanket and set them on a, on a doorstep and leave them alone. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you're doing with a new convert. They're a babe in Christ. I don't care how old they are, you know, in real life, spiritually, they're a babe in Christ. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you do not take the responsibility of discipling them, you're just leaving them on the doorstep and and sadly, uh, my experience over forty years that people that just get saved and they don't get any discipleship end up going back in the, into the world in probably less than a year. And I know there's exceptions to that, but a good bit. I mean, if everybody was attending church that were led to the Lord, we couldn't have we wouldn't have buildings big enough to fill them, especially yeah. back in the seventies and the eighties. But, you know, the, they, they lead people to the Lord, you know, and they may come and get baptized, and then you don't see them. They don't come to church, you know. There's no contact. Now, obviously, again, I mentioned that you can't force somebody to get discipled, but we at least ought to make the, the offer to say, hey, you know, uh, I know you're a new Christian, you know, uh, if you, if you want to learn something about the, Lord, about the Lord, about the Bible, you know, uh, I'll be willing to take some time with you. And if you leave it at that, if they take it up, take you up on it. I mean, Eric, that was the conversation that we had uh, at the back of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, wanted to know if you, you know, if you wanted to learn some Bible. I said, yeah, and mm-hmm. off we went. Yep. So, 
you got to make the overture. You got to make the make it available. You got to be willing to invest the time. And uh, if you do, the blessings will uh, be there. Uh, and uh, I couldn't encourage me people more uh, to uh, to disciple somebody or be discipled. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just go ahead and add. Uh, I was thinking about adding this earlier, but I left it off. But it goes right with what you were saying. Acts chapter fifteen thirty six. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, "Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do." Yeah, man. So they were just going back, <laughs> following up on these yes, people sir. that they'd minister to. Yes, and, sir. Uh, trying to keep them in. Praise the Lord, man. Not in Christ, but in line. Amen. <laughs> Try to help him out. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to put another podcast out. Number 75, again, 10 years. The, I think it's January 18th, 2009 is when this started. So when the 18th rolls around, I know today's the 7th, but when the 18th rolls around, you can remember that. That's in the Bible, Amen. 10 years old. How about that? Amen. Well, there's one final order of business we got to take care of because I don't want to make a liar out of Eric. Oh, yeah, good. Thank I, you. I, I, owe, I owe you one joke. So this, <laughs> the story of Adam and Eve was being carefully explained in the children's Sunday school class. And following the story, the children were asked to draw, they were asked to draw a picture that would illustrate the story. So a uh, little Bobby draws a picture of a car with three people in it. In the front seat, there's a man in the back seat, uh, in the, a man and a woman. And the teacher was at a loss to understand how this illustrated the lesson of Adam and Eve until Bobby explained why this is God driving Adam and Eve out of the garden. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Amen. That's my favorite one. <laughs> good stuff. All right, guys, Lord willing, we'll see you all again real soon. Amen. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will Trumpets sound, will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the skies. Going where, going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon. Shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on. That's all, folks.